Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman. Can't you tell, man? Gonna post it. What up, Fran? What is going on, man? How are you feeling? <clears throat> I'm doing. I'm feeling well, man. Uh, um, the other day, yesterday, today is what's today? We recording Saturday. So oh. Friday, okay. Steph like the keys in the car, right? In the car. In the car. So I had to go and try to get that situated, right? Sure. So she works at Amazon, so she's in the parking lot. Yes. The looks I was getting. You look like you were breaking into a car. You <laughs> yes. had to, what do you, when you say situated, what do you mean? You had to like get a coat I hanger? I had to go try to fucking do what I had to do to try to get it open. I had like some, some garden, I got some garden scissors. I got anything I could find where to I could slip just down like, and, and to get the the door just to get it like oh crack. Pop, crack. okay got it so and you I get took in like it. I took like a metal rod I had and like tried to get in there but it wasn't working man so you did I couldn't do it and then like her brothers came mm-hmm. and then his friends came so it was just like a black dude and, and three Hispanic dudes trying to get into this car so get, into this, get, open. get into this car and just, they got right in did nah, they get in we didn't, we didn't nobody got in her car her car is a <laughs> is an older car so it has an anti locking system. Whatever on it. So uh-huh. if she locks the doors, you can't. If you hit the button, it doesn't unlock. Oh, it just, yeah, yeah. That's not good. Unlock. Well, I guess it's good because no, nobody could steal her car. Yeah, none of you guys successfully could get into her car. No. Nope. So the anti-theft system worked. Yeah. Is it still there? Yeah, it's still in the parking lot. No, it's not. It Are is. you serious? It's in the parking lot. <laughs> it's either we bust the one of the windows. You're gonna open, have to do that, man. Or we call locksmith. Yeah. Or dude. Yeah. I don't. You guys didn't do that. No. I'll come get it another day. <laughs> come get it tomorrow. <laughs> like, should, come back. The cars on blocks. The somebody stole the rims. I'm not doing that. Just leave cars in parking lots for days on end, man. It's insane. Well, don't lose your keys in the car. <laughs> you know, yeah. Put it back on her. Hey, you know what? You locked your keys in the. This is on you. This is on me. Yeah. I'll take you home and we'll figure it out another time. But you know what? Here's a lesson learned. It was cold as shit. You locked man. your. It you was... locked. You locked your own keys in the car. It was rough. But we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But other than that, man, I'm good. What's well, up? I'm I, no complaints, man. I've just been uh, trying to keep my head down and you know staying out of watching too much news. I have not been successful. Um, watching like, the news? You mean like on social media? Just yeah, just watching oh, okay. the news of the world unfold. Yeah. With, you know the you know the Russia situation, all this war possibly happening, and then now we're gonna move on from this real quick. But 
So Jeffrey Epstein mm-hmm. uh, had an accomplice who was like his woman wrangler or something of that t- nature. He had some kind of job in the operation. He was set to testify or, or you know, give his testimony on what happened, his thoughts of the situation or maybe name names or whatever. Yeah. He was found in his jail cell, hanged. Dang. And uh, reportedly the cameras weren't working at the time of the incident. Oh, they just getting rid of people. And sloppy. <laughs> like just being like, oh my God, he ripped his own heart out. And everybody was off work that day. It's crazy. Nobody was there. The cameras just happened not to be working. Anymore. Again. Oh, this happened with Jeff. Jeffrey That's Epstein, how Jeffrey Epstein, Epstein happened. I know it about was, the yeah, he's, the camera's just, I don't know, man, malfunction. Man. I don't know. It's weird. So, um, yeah, that's kind of all I want to talk about with that. That's because they clearly don't give a fuck these days. So they're just, they'll just send people to your house just, and not even, not even make it look like suicide. It's just like, he died. <laughs> Stop it. asking questions. Yeah, that's move on. That, I mean, they're feeling real brazen these days. But we're going to move on. Fran, yeah. I heard about a story in the news. Wanted to talk to you about it. Or just tell you about it. I don't know if you heard about it. So there was this couple named Cynthia and Dennis Perkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, this past, in this month, they were both, or Cynthia Perkins was, she pled out to some charges of, you know, child pornography and all this type of shit. Guess what they were doing? Guess what they, one of the charges was in, in regards to? No, no. Dennis Perkins and Cynthia Perkins made some cupcakes. Okay. Oh, I heard about this. And put yeah, cum it? on top yeah, of the yeah. cupcakes and served them to students. Yeah, and yeah, Cynthia Perkins was the teacher at the school. Yeah. It's fucking foul as shit. The story is a, lot, is a lot deeper and darker. And there's a lot of, you know, horrible things that they did other than that. But when I first read the headline, I tried to think of like, how is this, how is this not as bad as it sounds? Right? Yeah. And the first thing I thought of, because, you know, Jackass had just, Jackass just came out. Mm-hmm. Still haven't seen it. I'm. I'm not going and see it unless I see it with you. Yeah. I'm just that I'll wait for it to come we, out on DVD. We going, where we going? Just let me know. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll go to the I want to go to the one where you can get like wine and you put, oh, put yeah. your legs Sure, up. I don't yeah, go yeah. to the fucking Oh, wait, man. Don't get a lead on me. Oh, I don't go to fucking poor theaters. <laughs> <laughs> I only go to theaters where I can get a glass of Merlot. I like my seats to be recline. Yeah. <laughs> be kind, recline. That's what I say. <laughs> but um uh I tried to think of a scenario where this wasn't as bad and I go, "Okay. Cynthia Perkins, a teacher, overworked they don't get paid a lot of money you know she's they're trying to they're trying to make ends meet uh dennis perkins stay-at-home dad so he answers an ad in the newspaper wanted come right from the jackass the people over at dick house they want to do a stunt hey what's up it's steve this is cum cakes right so they you know so we need come for the cupcakes to put on the cupcakes right but then it's also a birthday party at the at the school. So Cynthia accidentally takes the cupcakes to the school. Steve-O, meanwhile on set, bites into a cupcake. Uh, it's time for the stunt. This is cupcakes. He bites into it. Oh, shit. This is just a regular cupcake. Yeah. Now Dennis is freaking out. He calls his wife, honey, where are the cum cupcakes for, the, uh, for jackass? Oh, my God. The kids are eating the cupcakes. Yeah. That was my, maybe that's the innocence mm, of gotcha. how it, you know didn't wasn't evil horrible things and then i read further into the story and it was in fact incredibly evil and horrible that it wasn't an innocent like mistake or something like that this this was a couple i thought it was just a woman no they were husband and wife this happened in 2019 and they've been in jail since then how do you oh, find out how did who find out? just how did i mean i'm sure the kids i mean i don't want to get in like the okay. detail i'm sure the kids were like these are nasty or maybe an adult had one because it's a party or something and it's like oh this tastes like <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute 
I know that taste anywhere. <laughs> hmm. Salty yet pineapple-y. Hmm. Oh my God, it's come. Put the, the kids, kids, put the cupcakes down now. Put them down. Let me take another bite. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's the whole thing. Licks fingers. I've no, I've had this somewhere before. Um, is that like a pretzels, pretzel bits. Just <laughs> there's no more cupcake on the face. Oh my god, <laughs> prom night It's like some fucking some some memory oh exactly. Man. Prom night. Oh god, put the cupcakes. Nobody step away from the cupcakes. Um, no, oh but it's serious. <laughs> but seriously though, it, it's not funny. But yeah. the headline was like, "Wait, what did they do? Yeah, they put cupcakes. Come on, cupcakes." It was absolutely shocking. But um, it wasn't an innocent uh, whoopsie daisy like I thought initially, or like I tried to. Man you know maybe make up in my mind it yeah. was uh purely like a evil thing that they did so yeah that's the world we live in man where it's like those Crazy. that couple was getting off i on, thought you can't even bring food to schools right now. i thought like oh because of covid yeah well they thing. live in nowlands so maybe they do things a little oh, different maybe they don't see florida uh i think they're kind of close i don't know <laughs> don't 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 quote me on that because yeah, yeah. i don't know the ins and outs of Louisiana, yeah. but i feel like they probably are like nowlands? similar to that's all kind of like uh the Gulf, they all kind of follow okay. those same kind of bayou, mud rules, backwater, fan boat, gators. <laughs> they all they all kind of follow those same kind of rules. So I don't think I would put Louisiana too much above Florida in the fucked up headlines category. They're probably pretty on par. That's right, folks. It's time for some shout outs. Before we get into that, I just want to say we have not laid down any concrete plans. So this is going to be a very... Uh, this is going to be a very kickbacky spur of the moment type of uh, virtual house party this month. We have plans for uh, costumes and all that stuff. I think we should push that back just because it's been a crazy month yeah. and I'm not in position to do those yeah, things. Yeah. So I would rather save it instead of do it in a bad version of it. Yeah. So I, I feel like we should have just like a regular kickback, maybe still dress funky. But not go all, all out on costumes. Okay. And then maybe next month or something, we'll try to, you know, do it all out. Yeah. But uh, I still haven't heard from people whether Thursday or Friday is a good idea. So I'll leave that up to you. We won't say anything concrete. We'll figure it out off air and then I'll make the flyer and we can put it out this week to be like, join us on this day. Cool. But it'll either be this Thursday or this Friday. So, you know, guys, keep your, keep your schedules open. Come kick it with us for a little bit. Answer some questions. Play some games. It's going to be a fun time. Now, shout out time. And we're going to start with... Michelle R Are you a Patreon member? Yes you are Are there some good things coming down the pipeline? Yes there are Keep holding us down Up next we got Chasing Waterfalls With a Z Really just Went full like No identity Don't know anything about So shout out to you Chasing Waterfalls Very um Aim It's very aim It's like it's spelled like aim Like like it's an aim screen name S is a Z yeah, well, it's it's C H S N, okay, for chasing. Water spelled regular, so you know she's classy. Falls with, Falls with a Z. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So shout out to that. She's definitely up in those chat rooms. Keep it classy in those in those <laughs> chat rooms, though. Up next, we got Katrina R. Shout out to you. Keep doing your thing. Love your profile. Uh, they took the picture from the side, doing their thing. Much love to you, Katrina. Uh, up next, we got Emily P. Much love to you. She's pushing P, Fran. Use that for the first time. I never used that before, so I'm really proud of myself. Yeah. She's pushing P officially, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, Emily, keep doing that. Keep doing your thing. Keep pushing P. I'm sure she doesn't know what I'm talking about at all. That's not an aim, a name of a person who 
I don't think think knows what pushing P means, <laughs> and I don't really even fully understand what pushing means. P means. <laughs> but you know, hey, shout out to Emily P. She was the last one on the list, um, and shout out to you. Keep doing your thing and keep pushing P. Let's. Uh, what do you what, do? You have any idea what it means? From what I read, it was like because people. I don't think people know from the literature I read. Um, I don't think people know exactly what it means. It's just like I've heard it, and I heard people say it in a way, so I'll try to say it the same way. Yeah. So, from what I think it means, look, like I'm just doing my thing. Well, you know what? Now you ask me questions, kind of funny because when I looked it up, right? <laughs> looked it up where? Urban Dictionary? No, no, no. I looked it up on Google. Looked okay. up on Google, right? Sure. And it, and it came up with a quote. His interview was like, you know, uh, player or something like that. So if I'm mm-hmm. chilling on the beat, beach, I'm, that's pushing P. Oh, that's very vague. If I'm waking up on the beach every day, that's that's me. Oh, pushing that's pushing P. P. Okay, that's pushing P. That's living a very if high. You go to Urban Dictionary. Uh huh. Pushing P is a whole different. Oh, it's like sexual. Or it's something? like something about you, like uh, your friend having sling, slap you with a dick or something, <laughs> something crazy. I was like, what? I was like, Emily, uh, Emily, hey, listen, I was not telling you to push that kind of P. I meant it in the way I that the rappers like, are saying Whoa. it, and I hope that that's not how they mean it. That's to say it. Look it up. Unless you're Lil Nas X. Because then you do what you want to do and live your life. But right. I don't think Young Thug, when he says it, I don't think he means... Young Thug, gonna. They both do say it. They do? They oh, say I it to it each gonna, other. Oh, they do. It's okay. gonna made it. Yeah, 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 But him and him, those two I are cool. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they're talking about pushing each other's pe- penises in their face. Yeah, man. I hope that's not where the slang is gone. That's what Urban Dictionary says. All right. Well, <laughs> I, Emily, again, I, I didn't mean it that way. I don't want to say it. That's funny you asked me that because I, I was like, what? Well, now it's gone somewhere really dark and I hope I don't get a lawsuit. Emily, Emily P, listen, don't push P. Just listen, <laughs> put a pause on pushing P, put a P on pushing P until we figure out what the hell is going on. I don't really know what it means. Yeah. So we're going to put a pause on pushing P until we get a full, real definition of what it is. So put a pause on that. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. We're going to figure out what pushing P means. And when we come back, <laughs> we're going to talk about some fucked up shit. So stick around. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome back. It's my turn to go first this week. My affirmative murder this week is about the story of Curtis Don Brown, a.k.a. Bandit. A.k.a. Bandit? Yes. Before you get into that, uh, friend, we have to give a shout out to our incredible new researcher who provided you with that research, Captain Jess. Yes. Captain Jess. Shout out to Captain Jess um, providing us with, uh, you know, painstakingly yeah. dove in into files research. Absolutely. Happy to have uh, Captain Jess on the team. And uh, go ahead, Fran, take it away. So Curtis Don Brown was born on the 2nd of September in 1958. He grew up in California. In 1972, Curtis's family's home burned down. 
Uh, so his house burned down at the age of 13, but Curtis was not injured, but his two siblings died. Oh. Uh, in a house of, fire? In a, in a house fire, yes. One was three years old, and the other one was five and a half months months years, months years old. And his mother was burned in the, in the fire, but she did survive. So in November of 1982, he was convicted of armed robbery in California. He was sentenced to one year to life for the crime. One year to life? One year, it was it was it one year to life. So I'm guessing um, that's just how California does their. Maybe that means like, they, so like they're open to parole at any. But point. that's but I yeah, mean like that's, that's a hell of a yeah. gap. <laughs> You're either in jail for the next twelve months or for until okay. you die. Yeah. <laughs> so he was paroled in September of 1983. Upon his release, he was allowed to move to Texas in 1984, where he would uh, continue to serve his parole under um, Tarrant County. So Tarrant County is uh, is outside of outside of Dallas. Okay. So his mom moved to Fort Worth and they were saying, you know, sources was like, you know, that's probably why he moved to Texas so he could be closer to his mom. That's that's sweet. And yeah, um, just so he could be closer to mom. Yeah, he's a mama's boy. Oh, he never wrong with that. And so his he, mom's like burned. She probably needs he, some assistance. I didn't say she was badly burned. She just said oh, okay. she, she's some, some superficial burn. Yeah. So he, um, he ended up getting married in 1984 and his wife had a baby girl in 1985. So. 83, 82, he was convicted of armed robbery. Yes. Did one year. Yep, 83. So he did uh, the one year as opposed to the life. Yeah, 83, he, you know, got out. Turned and, his life around, uh, sounds like. Yeah, 83, 84, he moved. Mm-hmm. Got married. And then. Had a baby. Got, a, got married and had a baby in 84. Close to mom's. Mom Duke's right down the street. Yeah. Helped take care of the kids. So, you know, in the last three years. Yeah, that's a quick turnaround from yeah, prison. Yeah. So he supported the family with um, occasional labor, labor and machinery work. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was no other information about, you know, a work history or work history or his family with his kids and his wife. So, okay, got it. Everything was good just to be on the positive side. Yeah. So in February of 1985, he was arrested for attempted, attempted robbery in Arlington, Texas, 15 miles from Fort Worth, where he tried to break into a woman's bedroom by prying the screen off the window. He fled when she surprised him by looking out the window. The woman called the police who arrived at her uh, at her complex to see the security guard chasing Brown after another woman complained about him being in the laundry room and coming on to her. Oh, wow. The woman identified Brown as the man who was at her window uh, and prior marks were found on the window frame. Mm. So Brown's shoe prints were also found in the garden. Brown was charged with a misdemeanor and criminal trespassing and was released on a $500 bond uh, pending a hearing. The hearing was still pending in May when he was arrested with this crime I'm about to talk about. Okay. So Drill Thornton Woods, that was his first victim, or one of his first victims. She was described as quiet and Jewel? private. Jewel? Jewel, yep. She was described as quiet and private. She lived in East Fort Worth at the Woodstone apartment complex. So Jewel had two, um, she had two children, adult children, a son and a daughter two grandchildren, and she was divorced. She raised her children as a single parent. She owned an Irish Irish setter. You know, it was a beautiful Cute dog. dog. Yeah, yeah, beautiful dog. She was studying um, gerontology and wanted to own her own nurse, n- nursing home. Mm. So, Jewel Thornton, she was, she had goals. Yeah. She, had a, she took out a family by herself. Yeah. Um, and because this guy... All that was cut short. So Jewel worked as a nurse and was good at her job. 
her for, her former supervisor and former employer commented on her how she was on how she was an asset to the profession. She had worked um, in the outpatient clinic at Parkland Memorial Hospital from 1965 until 1981. It's a long time to be at, you know, so they must like her and she must have been doing her job yeah. great. She was the head nurse for surgery. Prior to that, she taught at Wichita General Hospital's School of Nursing in Wichita Falls for a year before her murder. She worked for Nurse Finders, which is a company that places nurses with, uh, within medical facilities, and while she earned, she did that while she was earning her master's. It's a very specific call service for like work, you know? Yeah. 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 But she was doing all this while she was also in school. Yeah. Yep. So earlier in the evening, around 7 p.m., Jewel was, Jewel was seen out walking her dog. She called her friend around 930. And then noise was heard coming from her apartment around 1130 p.m. Mm. Detective Brandon told the Fort Worth Star-Telegram that he believed that Brown forced his way into Wood's apartment. And sexually harassed her. I'm sorry, sexually assaulted her. Took her to an area where her body was later found. So away from the apartment? Away from her apartment. Wow. And beat her to death with a large rock. Jeez. So this area I looked up um, where she lived at her. She lived in this, this like apartment complex, which was like right next to a, like a busy a main street. Sure. So it was a main street. And then across on the other side of the main street is a. Like woods, I mean, not woods, but it's like grass, like yeah. a field. And it is like a whole bunch of like exit ways or whatever. It doesn't look like a place you would really, you would see somebody it's like, walking yeah. a dog, right? Yeah. But that could be different when it's like seven, eight, nine o'clock when it's less busy. And, and less you're traffic, a woman and, you're, and you're you want to be seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But what I'm saying is like for you to walk your dog, I mean, and later during the day, late evenings. Yeah. I can see somebody walking. The dog on that street. Yeah. That could be busy during the day. During the busy hours. Gotcha. Yeah, he took her body to an area and was later found and beat her to death with a large rock. Interviews with neighbors placed a man matching Brown's description in a breezeway. Never knew what a breezeway until I read the story. I don't even... A breezeway I, is... I have you... I've never been, heard of it, I don't think. <laughs> right. Have you been to... You've been to John Hopkins recently at all? Um, so they got sure. that... They got the... Um, that the walk, thing that goes the across hallway. the street. Yeah. Like if, it's like a bridge. It goes but into indoors. The, right. Yeah. It's uh-huh. called a breezeway. That's a breezeway. It's a breezeway. Oh, because the breeze can't get in. Yeah. I don't I made that up. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's one of the reasons why they make it. Yeah. Because they have ones like Vegas, Vegas has ones that are not like enclosed. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's one of that's the That's a breezeway, they, though. That's one of the reasons why they make it just because. So you can cross the street. Because you can cross the street. Also, it splits the big old building for wind. Yeah, Land and stuff like that, and it it makes it it looks cool. It does look cool. I yeah, like those, cool. but I didn't know it was a term Me for that. Until. I just thought it was called a bridge. Yeah, man, <laughs> it's just a large hallway. That look how just, look how look how po- look how podunk we are. It's like I don't know. <laughs> I just thought it was called like a a, a building umbilical cord. <laughs> yeah, so that's what a breezeway is. Cool. Uh, so Brown's matching Brown's description in the breezeway near Jewel's apartment that night of the murder. One neighbor says a man matching Brown's description knocked on the door, but she quickly slammed the door. Um, and locked it. But somebody else said that, you know, the same thing happened, but um, Brown knocked on the on Drew's door, but she wasn't able to close the door before he... Yeah, could get know, in. Could get in. Yeah. And I've seen videos... I was just about to speak on that, yeah. Where it was like, you just... Close calls. Close, close Oh, my goodness, Just man. some dude was trailing a, a woman right until she got to her apartment yep. and then tried to get in while she was opening the door. Yeah. And then they were able to slam so the door. That's scary as shit, man. Like if you fuck up with the key or something, yeah. it's like, you know, they got you. Or if you just don't close the door in time yeah. and they get their foot in there or some shit, 
it's crazy how alert you have to be in society yeah as a woman just coming home from the grocery store or whatever the idea that you could sense that somebody's trailing you and then yeah. you got to be like okay let me get my keys out now yeah and get the door unlocked quick and then yeah. get it in close you the can't door. it's no yeah. you, you have zero margin for error no doing something like when that when it's in that situation so jewel hid in her bathroom but brown forced his way in by kicking the door down brown was picked up about a quarter of a mile from jewel's body where jewel's body was found around 30 minutes after she was taken from her home so he must be pretty strong I mean, he has, he attacked her in her apartment and then took her away from the apartment, right? You're, you're saying? Yeah. And then killed her at the next location that he took her to. Yeah. So she was still alive while he was I don't know carrying, about that. Or she know. might have been unconscious, probably. Probably. Probably yeah, unconscious. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So Brown was picked up a quarter of a mile from where Jewel's body was found around 30 minutes after she was taken um, from her home. So probably with like, maybe like around midnight around this time. Because she was out. Like 11. Walked, so it was like around 1130. So probably, yeah, around midnight. So Brown had obviously been running as he was sweating and out of breath when he was arrested. Brown had two purses with him containing items from Jules from Jules home. Um, the items led police to the apartment. Inside was her nursing and CPR certification inside the, the purse. Oh, so the police went to Jules apartment and their knock went unanswered. They attempted to open the door and found it unlocked. The apartment had been ransacked. Brown was arrested on suspicion of burglary, resisting arrest, and possession of controlled substances mm. and held in Torrent County Jail as he was unable to post a $23,500 bond. Blood was, found on Brown's, blood was found on Brown and was collected so it could be compared with the blood found on Jewel. It was, it was reported on June 2nd in the Fort Worth Star-Telegram that Brown had also been charged with capital murder and his bond had increased to $109,000. In Texas, capital murder charges are sought when the the murder happened in conjunction with another crime, such as burglary, kidnapping, and sexual sexual assault. Mm. Um, They're definitely going for the death penalty. In Texas? Yeah, yeah. So uh, June 2nd, police had evidence of the first two and were waiting on the test results to determine if Jewel had been sexually assaulted. Brown denied involvement in the crimes and said he was innocent. But he was literally red-handed. I mean, blood on him. A yeah. purse with her information on Right. Yeah. Um, I guess that's just what you have to say, right? No, you got the wrong guy. Yeah, also he was on parole at the time of Jules' murder. Yeah. So Jules' funeral was held on uh, Wednesday, June 4th of 1986. After the funeral notice, Jules' name didn't appear in the papers until September. So probably because it was, they didn't have, they didn't make an uh, official arrest yet yeah. or trial. Also, I don't like. I never could understand bond. I ne- for some reason I can never understand the purpose of of it's bond because it's a business. I just yeah, but it just doesn't. I don't it doesn't make any sense. I get it's a business. I get that part of it, but it's. Like, I mean, that's it. I mean, I'm sure like, at some point, you know, when it when it was thought of, I'm sure there was like good intention behind it. Like you you should be able to fight your case out. You know, or it might make you look bad to be behind bars while you're fighting your case. But what bond is today is exclusively almost for rich people or people who are willing to risk, you know, financial peril to make bond for a family member. Like if you're willing to put a mortgage on your house to bond your your family member out. But for people who have an abundance of money, it's like, oh, yeah, I'll just bond out and fight the case on the streets. 
it's exclusively for people like that almost, you know? So, and it's, and it's a business. Yeah, I get it. I just, and not to get into the, the, the deepness of it, but it was a business here in, here in Baltimore specifically that black people were really thriving in. And then they changed the rules. Oh, that's why there's no, uh, bail bondsmen. I don't know. I don't know the full details of what happened, but they really changed the rules of the whole landscape of, of, of bail bonds of the bail bondsman industry here in Baltimore specifically. I don't know about all across the country, but people that I know were making a lot of money yeah. from the industry, whether that's right or wrong, I'm not here to say, but yeah. I'm just saying something, a rule changed, a law changed, and the whole landscape of bail bonding, of bail bonding changed. I mean, looking at that. It's something happened where a lot of like black entrepreneurs who started bail bondsman businesses. Yeah. It was a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they don't, they stopped. They went out of business. Damn. I was one, I, at one point I was wondering like, damn, I don't hear about, you know, the advertisements on, yeah. the, on the radio anymore. I just don't hear about the it. Laws, the, the, the laws changed. Especially here. Yeah. That's why I said I can't speak for any other. <laughs> bail bondsman was like, being a bail bondsman was like a thing yeah. here in Baltimore. There were bail bondsman businesses opening up all I'm the time. I'm talking also with the crime. It's oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah, so big. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so on September 18th, Brown was indicted of the capital murder charge. Uh, the Fort Worth Star-Telegram said he was charged with killing Jewel while attempting to commit um, ag- aggravated, aggravated sexual assault. Mm. In November, it was reported that Brown applied for a reduction in his bond so he could work for his for his family's cleaning business, saying that his mother needed help with the work. Um, but they said that that yeah, you're you're that was a murder charge. Yeah, that, that was denied. Yeah, obviously. So he was saying, "Can you lower it so I can afford to bond out so I can go help my mom?" Yeah, they we're like, "No, no, <laughs> absolutely not." My mommy's so sick. Could I please bond out of this murder charge so I can go help her at the dry cleaners? No, you cannot do that. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Get, go back to your cell. So there was no trial because Brown pleaded guilty to the murder charge and the burglary charge. That was um, a burglary charge that was unrelated to Jules' case. Mm. So, so just another related, charge. It's another charge, yep. So there was a plea deal that changed the murder charge from a capital one to a non-capital by the prosecutors, essentially ignoring the sexual assault component that made the charge a capital one. So capital charge would have made him eligible for the death penalty. Okay. Jules' family was involved in the decision around the plea deal, and they agreed to it, however... One of her sons said in 1987 in an article that if he if he'd have known the law better, he would have pushed for a trial so Brown could have been sentenced to death. Yeah, he would absolutely. If he went to trial, he would have been, he would have got the death penalty. Yeah, but I mean, it's, if he's if he pleads and it doesn't, it's not really it's nothing you can do. Yeah, yeah, it's nothing you can do. So the prosecutor stands by the de- by the decision, saying that a guaranteed life sentence with no appeals was better than going to trial and potentially losing. Plus, there was a, a change. Um, the judge would have handed down a life sentence. I'm sorry. It would, have, it would have been a chance the judge would have handed down a life sentence in any way. That's almost the same thing that Jamie Foxx said to Gerard Butler in Law Abiding Citizen before he, like, burned the whole world to the ground. I love that movie so much. Haven't seen it. Nope. You haven't seen Law Abiding Citizen? No, who's in it? Uh, just Jamie Foxx is in Who, it. And Gerard, Gerard Butler, the dude from 300. And his family gets murdered. The white guy? Yeah, the white guy. His name is Gerard Butler. His name, yeah. <laughs> he's so famous, bro. He's so famous. You need to watch a movie. That's not like, like a black person's name. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. 
His, he's Scottish. His name's Gerard Butler, bro. His family gets murdered. Mm-hmm. He, you know, they go to trial, and the yeah. lawyer who, you know, who who was um, the prosecuting attorney, yeah. gave them like they got forty years in prison. He was like, I thought they were gonna go to trial and they were gonna uh, get the death penalty. He's like, listen, you know, we won. Because if we go to trial, we could have lost. He really was worried about his conviction rate. He didn't want to lose. Was Jamie Foxx the lawyer in this movie? Yes. I know oh, you've I seen this movie. This, I remember this movie. I, you ha- I've never this seen is, it. But I remember I remember the commercials. This is like one of the movies I'm like, I know Fran. Is, that's why I brought it up I've in the first place. This is like the one movie I'm like, no, he definitely is. I've Every black person has seen Law of Law Abiding Citizen. Seen movie. I remember well, it coming out. It. It's so remember. good. It's so good. I'll get around to it somehow. Some no, you won't. You won't ever do it. I watched it on the plane and when we go. What? Continue your story. All right. Um, so on December 19th, Brown was sentenced to two life terms, one for each charge, and the sentence would run concurrently. The deal also meant that he would he couldn't appeal the conviction. However, a life sentence in Texas is uh, is a minimum of 60 years and a prisoner can get credit for good behavior, which would mean that Brown could be eligible for parole after seven years. Uh, yeah. I'm sure his family, uh, her family didn't like to hear that part. Yep. So another victim was Therese Gregory. Uh, her father was Charles Gregory and her mother was Patricia Gregory. Um, she had two brothers um, and only her mother lived in Fort Worth. Now, I just seen these names that kind of uh, reminded me of something like, so her name is Ter- Therese Gregory. Her father's name is Charles Gregory. Her mother's name is Patricia Gregory. Uh-huh. But her full name is Therese, Ther- Therese Patricia Gregory, mm. which is her mother's name. Her mother's her it's mother's her name is her is her middle name. Her name. That's how it is in my family. Oh, that's like what you do. Yeah. Okay. It's like like her mother's name is Francis. Got it. My dad's name is Roger Franco Evans. My name is Franco Jonathan Evans. Max's yeah. name is Maximiliano Franco Evans. Got it. Yeah. Oh, I like yep. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My middle name's Jerome, <laughs> and I don't know why, and I don't tell people. Just put Jay. I don't understand what's wrong with that. Well, if you watch Martin, you'd know why there's something wrong with that. Now, <laughs> they, you know, people don't do it like they used to. I already have to be like, every fucking day somebody comes to me, Alvin, who wears the chipmunks? And I have to go, oh, you're so hilarious and original. But in 1997, <laughs> the combination of that and then, they would have to really know you, though, for them to bring that out. No, they don't. They don't know your middle name. Fair. That's a good point. <laughs> what are you talking about? People just not no, going but like in elementary school, they, they they would say like your name. Like they put your like your, oh, your, then, yeah. Then if they say it, then that like was when that. that's why that's I started putting Jay because I would put Alvin J- Jerome Williams on my paperwork and stuff, and then that would happen. And now I just go Alvin J Williams. Yeah, that's hilarious, man. Just it's oh my god, it's so funny, especially <laughs> when you hear it like seven times in one day. It's even funnier then. You still hear Chickmunds though. That that will never die. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> It's, the, it's so and every person's like hey hey listen check this out where's dave you're like oh oh because he's the guy that uh, he's their dad in the show oh yeah no that's really funny you're hilarious hey hey uh hey uh hey hey listen uh do you eat a lot of nuts and stuff like that you know because because you're a chipmunk you know i'm like oh man <laughs> <laughs> i've never heard that but what are you wow is that alvin in the chipmunks thing? Oh, uh, oh my god wow Gut bustery. My gut's busting. Yeah, man. Yeah, anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Makes you sick, don't it? Oh, so fucking sick, man. The, the, the idea that I would punish my son by naming him Alvin after the 30 years of my life I've had to endure. People you went to that? 
Alvin Williams, the well, my dad named fourth? my brother Alvin, so that kind of also is off the table for me. But also, no, it ends, it ends, it dies with me, unless my younger brother, whose also name is Alvin, decides so he's to the be the he's the fourth. So you're not gonna do Alvin Williams fifth? He can if he wants to. No, you're not gonna do that. Fuck no. That's what weird. Now, like, who the, are you named after? Me or my dad? Am I named after you or my uncle? I don't fuck it. Who, I don't. So your dad is the junior though. My dad's the junior. Okay. And then there's big, big pop, big ass senior. Yeah, big ass. That's the that's the big dog. So there's no term after after the third. There's no like no. There's no term after junior. Right. <laughs> I'm just, right. just you're just third. the third guy that they gave this dumbass name <laughs> to, and you're the fourth guy that they gave it to, and then you'll be the they fifth got, dumbass name. Yeah, George Foreman, the sixth. You're just the sixth dumbass name of this shit. person. Yeah, fun. I think it's cool, man. I think you could do some creative stuff with the third lines. And- it's not. It literally <laughs> isn't though, because four you can go. It's like I V. Yeah. Thir- the third is just three lines. Yeah. That's it. I used to try to you make it. Like, I used to make it a zoo t- cage. Turn into an S. I used to make it a. <laughs> what the you S know, that you get the fuck up? Continue your story. I'm not making one of those fucking dumbasses that you made in middle school. <laughs> I used to go three, three. I used to go line, 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 and then a line over the top and a line on the bottom. And be like, look, it's like a little zoo cage. <laughs> would be like, way. you're a loser. <laughs> I'm just gonna say Roman numerals. <laughs> in third grade. <laughs> like I go look, I go look at look I put a little I put a little duck in the cage, that's dumb. <laughs> I'm like oh okay that's cool never mind. <laughs> you just never did it again. Never did it again. I was like you're right. No that's dumb. I don't know why I would do that. That was stupid. Yeah so um yeah Therese Patricia Gregory. So Therese was last seen on May 28th 1985 around 3 a.m. She had gone out to eat at Sammy's restaurant with her boyfriend. He dropped her back at her car in downtown Fort Worth. Uh, which was about three miles where her car is about three miles away from the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, they said it was no inf- info why, you know, they took separate cars, which is not, you know, nothing crazy. People sure. People all the time. That might have been where they met up. Yeah. They might have had, that might be a bar or something. There. Right. And she probably could work somewhere and probably be yeah. here and we take your car. That's not unusual at all. Right. She drove off in her car. This is after he dropped her off. Right. Um, which was a white 1979 Pontiac with two doors and a maroon, a maroon top. Mm. Her car was later found on Bridge Street, um, depending on where on Bridge Street, it's a long street. It could be, it could be, you know, a mile or so where she lived and six miles from where her car had been parked at. Mm. So it appears that she was going home um, at that time. There had been an, an incident while she was driving when she hit the curb and blew out two of her tires. Her car was locked. So it looked like she left her car and decided to walk home. So her body was found on May 30th by a fisherman Mm. who thought he saw a mannequin in the the Trinity River. So Therese had been shot in the face. Oh, my God. The police determined that Therese's body had entered the river at Rockwood Park. I wonder how they they figured that out. (laughs) Which is around 10 miles from where her car was found. In January of 1986, her name was listed with numerous other murdered women whose cases were unsolved. The crimes took place from September 1984 until Teresa's murder in May of 1985. Police had ruled out that they were that they were not victims of a serial killer. The women were all abducted and taken to a second location where they were killed. This is sounds like Brown's MO. Yeah. Like what he did. Another victim was Sharon Killsback. Sharon was 18 when she went missing. She was the youngest of nine, and her mother, Audrey, and Mois Killsback. So Killsback is, I saw the name, and I was like, this has to 
means something. Yeah, it feels like it's Gaelic, like Irish. It's a um, a Native American tribe oh. tribe name. Killsback. Oh. Yep. So I was like, oh shit, you know, this has. I just not, I've never seen. Yeah, it's before. an interesting sounding yeah. name for sure. Yep. So she was originally from um, Porcupine, South Dakota, a town on Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. She was a member of the Oglala Sioux Indian tribe. I did some research. I like just wanted to look up how to say it. Yeah. And then I went up on YouTube and it was like a whole documentary documentary of this, of that. The tribe. The tribe. You know, that, that reservation that people lived on. I mean, it's just poverty and oh, yeah. no job. And it showed like, it showed, not to get off track, but it showed like a, um, a globe, showed the globe, right? Mm-hmm. And it showed over like a hundred years how it just got smaller, got and smaller and smaller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, yeah, you know, for a hundred years, just lies and, this yeah. and that was like, going back on treaties. Damn. Yep. No, it's deep. I man. was like, no, it's shit. Deep. The way Native American people have been treated by this country is this really disgusting, and uh, it's resulted in high levels of alcoholism. Yeah, and, and it's ninety percent unemployment rate. Yeah, that is. Cr- I was like, I gotta watch. I didn't get a chance to finish. I was like, oh, I definitely gotta finish watching this. And then the, but then the, the like the little thing that they give them is like, but you guys can open casinos. Yeah. That's like their. That's like their benefit. But as a people who were very much about like touching in with the earth and yeah. their land and their, their spirituality and stuff to be like, you can do capitalism as, as a, I know you guys, I know we stole all your land and stuff, but like, Hey, you can open a casino and then white people can come here and drink drinks and give you money. And then that's like, a, you know, it's like a fair trade off, right? Yeah. No, not at all. No. So around 1983, when she was 16 years old, she moved to Utah for a job, job corpse program. My brother did that. Um, didn't, didn't do it. About it all. Didn't take. Nope. Uh, <laughs> after she completed her job corps uh, training, she was given the option of moving to California, Georgia, or Texas for work. Her work family, for her, yeah, got options. Her family suggested California, but she picked Texas. Mm. Damn, like again, that just that, one decision. I know, man. I thought the same thing. I was like, "That's crazy, man. That's insane." Yeah, and that's going to haunt her mom forever, bro. Being like, I told her to go. Oh man. Every, t- every time I hear that, I always think about that, man. Her mom was worried about her and told her to not walk alone and to keep safe. Sharon told her mom that she had friends to give her rides, but she would also walk. So in February, February of 1985, she moved to Fort Worth. She worked at Miracle Auto Painting in Arlington, which was owned by a local uh, council member. She was fired from her job as a car painter for failing to turn up to work, but quickly rehired when her boss decided to give her a second chance after she spoke with him. Nice. He rehired her to work in the Fort Worth location, which, which she appeared to enjoy a lot more. He described her as a hard worker. Her friends told the Fort Worth Star Tribune that she had a rocky past but was making a change and had a fresh start in Fort Worth. She had planned a trip back to Pine Ridge um, at the end of the month mm-hmm. in March. Go back to home to see family. Right. So she was last seen on March 15th at 9 p.m. She was walking with her roommate to meet someone, to meet some friends at an Arlington apartment complex, which possibly could have been also her apartment complex. Mm -hmm. So the roommate says Sharon was walking a bit in front of her, holding a radio covered in stickers, and went around the corner. When the roommate went around the corner, Sharon was gone. Wow. Yeah. And that that shit was probably like a quick second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the roommate went ahead to the friend's apartment thinking Sharon would turn up there, but she never did. Sharon didn't turn up at her own place, at her own apartment. And by Sunday evening, her roomies, 
roommates started to <laughs> worry, started to worry <laughs> and call the police. Just slipped out, huh? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you watch yeah. some Disney Channel lately? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Her> roomies, roomies. <laughs> um, yeah. So when I read this, number one, I was like, um, there was also uh, another a later reporting that said that. Her friend turned around and was like, you know, I'm going back home. Yeah. But changed her mind minutes later and went to the apartment and ran back to catch up, ran back to catch up with Sharon. Got it. Okay. Uh, Also, I thought like. Oh, so it could have been a little longer of a It could have been longer of a gap. Yeah. 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 Wasn't just. She had to go Yeah. Like like Jason Voorhees or something. Yeah. Yeah. So also, I thought that like um, the reporting of her friend being missing, they said, you know, they didn't report it till Sunday evening. Yeah. So I was like, you know, that's. That's a hell of a long time to to call. But also there was a report that they did call. Oh. But they was like, it's too early. It's too early for you for us to do a report. So now they like they might have overcompensated. Like, oh, it was too early. Yeah. We'll wait till Sunday. Yeah. Damn. Yep. Cause I was like, that's crazy for them not to call until Sunday. Yeah. That's that's wild. So on March 30, 23rd, 1985, her body was found in a storm water drain two miles from Interstate 20. With a rope wrapped around her neck. Mm. By a construction, she by a construction worker. She was found by a construction worker. She was fully clothed. It appeared that she had been strangled with the rope that was around her neck, and strangulation was ruled the case of death. The rope was tied methodically, so her body was tested for evidence of sexual assault. So they did the you know like this is in nineteen eighty five. So they did the SA SA kit, yeah, but mm-hmm. the technology wasn't there in nineteen eighty five. So they had to wait. And retested in, in 2005. Mm. When it's actually better and yeah. caught up in DNA evidence. So the mud around her body indicated that she had been there for a couple of days during a period of rain. Perhaps since the since the 20th. That leaves a few days between her disappearance and her time of death where no one saw her. Yeah, like, like a week. Yeah. So with, when the roommate saw the news reporting of the identified body found, she went to the police and suggested it could be Sharon. The roommate ID Sharon from photos um, a detective showed her. Mm. She was flown back to her home to be buried. Her family was unable to afford the cost of trans- transporting her body, and it was covered by tribe leaders. Tribal leaders. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Her boss also offered to assist, but assist, but you know his help was declined by the family. Mm. The investigation un- uncovered little, but the police didn't think Sharon knew her killer. Sharon's mother died three years after her daughter um, at 45 of complications with mm. diabetes. They were saying that, you know, that Sharon's murder paid a big part on her health. Um, I, I can imagine. Yep. And her dad died three years before Sharon's murder was solved also from diabetes complications. Oh, wow. So Curtis was uh, serving his sentence for Jewel's murder while Therese and Sharon's remained unsolved. It was reported that Brown gave his DNA and was linked to ter- and was linked to Teresa's murder in February 2005. So them giving DNA was just a, was just protocol. Yeah, when getting arrested, so police suspected he was involved with up to 18 murders in Fort Worth around from 1983 and 1985. So like they so they are saying that it was all bullshit. The marriage and the the kid, like it, he was doing this throughout all of that. Oh yeah. Yeah, 1985 is when he got there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And 83 is when he got out. Like he yeah, immediately yeah, yeah, went yeah. right to this. And he was already on some bullshit. So they don't know. 
this could have went before he, even, before, before he even before he went to prison. The that first was probably time. why he moved to Fort Worth or yeah. whatever. That's true. Um, yep. So he was charged with Teresa's Teresa's murder in May 2005. While Fort Worth police continued to look into other cases, he may have been connected to. Arlington police did the same thing. So on October 16, 2005, 2005, it was reported that Brown had been linked to Sharon's murder through DNA matched to the SA kit, and a capital murder arrest warrant had been issued on the 11th. This article reported that Brown was a person of interest in over a dozen other murders and spoke to his seemingly random, um, spoke to his seemingly random victim selection. So the DA office said that they will be seeking the death penalty for Sharon's murder, saying and did consider Brown to be a serial killer, even though even though reporting at the time of the murder said they didn't suspect one. I guess you have to do that. I mean, yeah, you want to cause mass hysteria, getting everybody all worked up. Yeah, like this guy could have, yeah. you know, he could have killed fifty. But people. I still, but still, you yeah. still, I feel like that information still needs to be put out, no matter how people gonna react. Yeah, I mean, like, because people put the, are aware. Now. You put the mugshot out there; people yeah. can go. I've this guy lived in my neighborhood. Yeah. You, you know, you, you definitely get yeah. information that way. So Brown's DNA was run against multiple other unsolved murders from 1983 to 1985. He was ruled out of one case, um, which was the murder of an elderly woman in January 1985, but other testing was was still ongoing. Neither case went to trial, and instead, Brown got another plea deal on January 7th, 2009. 50-year-old Brown pleaded guilty to the charges of both Therese and Sharon's murder. He was sentenced to two more life, two more life terms mm. to be served um, consecutively on the 8th. If the case had gone to trial, prosecutors would have sought the death penalty. Therese's family was unhappy with the plea, and they wanted him sentenced to death, whereas Sharon's family didn't want to go, to, didn't want to go through trial. Mm. I guess they wanted to be like... We, th- we yeah we don't we've this. been dealing with this for years, with this. for twenty I mean twenty plus years yeah and the only thing and I think it's just the the siblings that that are still alive yeah so the additional life sentence sentences meant that Brown would spend the rest of his natural life in prison I mean it's funny just hearing that because like his natural life he's his second life was well, fucking, that's like in in reference to ghosts probably that'd be crazy huh. <laughs> So you still you still like, got to serve another twenty years. You got a roomie and shit. And he's a well, ghost. They gave you four hundred and sixty years. I'm still so, here. Yeah, you got to serve the all four. Just ghost sitting there with his arms on his fucking <laughs> knees, <laughs> <laughs> playing a harmonica, playing blues on still it. Still here. And shit. <laughs> uh, so Brown's first victim may have been Catherine Davis. She went missing on the thirtieth of September, nineteen eighty four, after a fire at her home. Mm. There were reports of loud voices and a car leaving her home that night. Her remains was found in the field in early nineteen eighty five. Cindy Heller went missing on the 22nd of October in 1984. She had stopped to help another young female motorist whose car had broken down. She waited with the motorist for two hours. Shout out to her. Cause no way. Couldn't be. No way. I'm like, hey, uh, you need anything before I go? Because I got somewhere I got to be. I have to go. I have to get out of here. She waited with the motorist for two hours in a bar while the motorist called friends to come and help before taking her to leave a note about her car problems on a friend's door. Then Cindy separated from the motorist and was never seen again mm. for that, for her to have to like call friends on a payphone. Yeah. And then uh, couldn't get in touch. With get touch now you have to go leave a note on, on a door, a door, bro. And then you got to go back and wait. <laughs> the eighties. Like, 
That's that sounds wild to me. The man. concept of not listen, like you can call somebody and they might be busy, so they don't pick up. But the concept of not being able to reach somebody in twenty twenty two is like a foreign concept. Yeah, like the idea that you something's wrong. Like I called you five. You're like you're mad. I, I called, called you, you five times. I messaged you on. You're always on Instagram. Yes, I texted you on Instagram. You, you posted. You yeah. posted on Instagram. Yeah. You, didn't, you didn't respond. Yeah, this is oh, crazy. Something, yeah. something is wrong. Yeah, the concept of like, oh, I couldn't get in touch with them, so I'll go leave a note on their, door. Leave a note on their door, and hopefully, whenever they come home. They see the note. Hopefully, yeah. the wind doesn't take the note. Yeah, man, you gotta rely on yeah, that. Deal, shit. The, deal with the elements. Hopefully, it doesn't rain. Then the note's oh, smeared, it's ruined. Yeah, yeah, man, that sounds. There's some that good things like about the future, language, man. man. That I don't. Even I don't like the metaverse that. stuff, but the, the future's cool for some stuff, you know. <laughs> uh, so she left the note on the door, and then she separated from the from the motorist, mm-hmm. and then she was never seen again. Her car was found the next day. There was blood. Blood marks um, on the interior of her car. Mm. Her body was found on January 5th of 1985 in a creek, mm. but it was hard to ID due to it being badly decomposed. Yeah. And most of the upper half being separated mm. and found later. Yeah. Man. But they were saying likely because of the, the water, the river, yeah. the water, it being the body. But that's, but that's still, that's still wild. That yeah, is just sure. like, is it just, is it just decomp- I mean the water like it, it, it breaks down the tissue fast. Oh, it's man. like it's like That's it's crazy. like it's I mean I hate to be so crass about it, but it's like, you know, if you put paper in water. It just breaks it up. It just breaks up and you know it tears crazy. it apart. If it's sitting there long enough. Yeah, that's why that's I was crazy, when you, the second murder that you discussed, you know, we do have some forensic pathologists that listen to this podcast. And so I wanted to kind of be like, you know, let me know if I'm right in this. But you asked like, um, they said it's possible that that her body was put in the river here. Yeah. Even though it was found three miles down the river like flesh or something just left flesh just well left I, I feel like they, that's why they have body farms and stuff so you can tell how long a body has been submerged in water so they can go they okay what what body, body farm. farms where they just take dead bodies and they'll go throw it in the fire for 10 minutes no See what, i don't know anything about that you don't know about body farms no i feel like we discussed it before maybe not but like yeah they, have, they have body farms where they so they can figure out all the different types of ways that things happens to bodies when they decompose leave it in water for two days see what happens uh you know uh, put acid on it. I don't know. I'm just making that's somebody's up. job. Yeah, I could, and that. I could be wrong about it being a forensic pathologist specifically that, that does that. But no, no, no. I mean, like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the studying body farm. Yeah. That's crazy. But but when you ask, idea. like, how could somebody know that the body was probably put in tossed in the river here, even yeah. though it was found here? They go, well, this this body's been in the water for for 15 hours, and so it probably drifted a 15 hours worth of a float, which would put it here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's that kind of thing. Body farm. Yeah, man. They're really interesting. That sounds crazy. Yeah. I Some people it. donate their bodies instead of, you know, I to get science. That. That's that's and where they go sometimes, to body farms. That's crazy. I don't know if I can, can do that. I know I can't. You The fact that you even are questioning. I can't watch people get their blood drawn. I almost fainted I when that. I got my blood drawn. That's easy. I, can, I, can take I got those. lightheaded when I got my blood drawn. Needles are easy. Needles are not easy. I look me. right at them. Just stare at them. Oh, God. Ugh. Yeah, I look right at it. Oh. <laughs> I, think I, I think it makes me feel bad at me looking at it. No. Yeah, it's easy. Uh, yeah, so um, her body was found January fifth, nineteen eighty five, in a creek, but it was hard to ID to it being badly decomposed. You know, the upper body um, have been separated um, and found later due to the river in the in the decomp. Searches, searches had to pump water out of the creek and drain the lake it fed it fed into during their search for the upper portion of the body. Oh wow! Her body was found around three miles from the car. Her cause of death was ruled to be strangulation. 20-year-old Lisa Griffin 
Griffin's body was found two hours after Cindy's. Oh, jeez. But her case was solved, and another man was arrested and convicted of her murder. So there were some other names that people went missing between 84 and 85. Um, Ginger Hayden, who was stabbed in her home. Merlin Hartman, who was also killed in her home. Catherine Jackson, who was strangled in her home. Angela Ewart, she, she was found dead in December of 1984. Sarah Ann uh, Kashka, who was discovered in June of 1985, but they said the date of death was December of 1984. Mm. And Deborah Taylor, whose date of death was twenty the 25th of May of 1985, was found um, in March 29th, which is a couple of days later. Yeah. So there were other possible names that he be he could be connected to so this man he could have been on a spree could have been on a spree man yeah could have been on a spree in and california his, and his mo was so random that it was it's just random like any girl like, that he saw yeah. or house or breaking breaking and enterings and stuff like there was you it's hard to put together a a description of of what his mo was right um also the two that he got caught that he got caught trying to break in the window that was that could have been two victims yeah. easily. They just saw him, and just he just they just early. happened to see him, yeah. and he he was caught. But him, I think him leaving had nothing to do. Could have been had some to do with leaving his mom. the state that he was in to go to Texas. But I think it was more because he wanted fresh start, fresh start, and he wanted to commit some more murders. Yeah, but I mentioned what four the four people that went on here to you know rest a piece to them. It was definitely more, definitely. Oh, you know, definitely more. But that was the story of Curtis Don Brown, a.k.a. Bandit. Okay, cool. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some more fucked up shit. So stick around. All right, and we are back. Fran, my affirmative murder this week is the story of Antoinette Frank. Um, I got the bulk of my research was um, taken from Murderpedia. It's always a great. Old, yeah. old, old, reliable. Yeah. Captain Jess didn't help me on this one. Um, so, Antoinette Frank was born in Louisiana on April 30th, 1997. Frank had an unstable childhood, which may have influenced her desire to want to become a police officer since she was a small child. I think everybody did, though, right? Want to be a police officer? Uh, I wanted to be a firefighter. I wanted to be well, a police officer. no, I told people I wanted to be a firefighter because they thought it was cute. And then when it wasn't cute anymore, I just made up another job that I wanted to be that people respected. And then Man, you are crazy. <laughs> you are crazy, though. You genuinely wanted to be a police officer? You didn't just think it was like, oh, I get attention no, when I say, I, I want to be a police I did a do police that, officer. I, I did do that, though. Like, when you want to say a doctor, a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah, I did do that, too. Yeah. yeah I did My that. grandmother, I'd be, uh, you know, she'd take me to work, and I'd just be typing bullshit into her, a 1999 computer, and she'd be like, you're really good at computers. I'd be like, yeah, I think I want to work on computers someday and she's like you're a genius and, yeah. I, and then i just said that for the next like six years until yeah. i was like 14 like i want to be a doctor yeah i'm no. not crazy we're all we're, if i'm crazy we're all crazy man we're all just yeah. lying to I our parents to get yeah, extra yeah, cookies yeah. or whatever like that's what we do yeah i didn't want to actually be a firefighter it's a hard job but you get to put on a cool costume and wear drive a truck i wanted to do all yeah, this but stuff yeah, yeah you did I I wanted when I was I did want to be a police. I had like the whole when you had all the shit on. Yeah, you liked you, you looked, liked playing cops and robbers. You yeah, didn't want to actually be nobody has a career in mind at that age. Like I was saying it, but I wasn't like, yeah, I just really want to put fires out. I mean, nobody's thinking about it that deep. Yeah, like, I just like love seven. riding around in the fire truck. But you're not thinking about it that deep when you're seven. You know? I was thinking about it that deep because I knew I was getting attention for people's 
from me saying I wanted to be a firefighter. So I, maybe I am crazy. I want. I wanted to be. I wanted to be. A cop. Well, you wanted, wanted to be a cop. Had the, had you, the, had yeah. the whole jump. Badge. Everything. Stop right there. Yeah. Have a little notepad and shit. Notepad. Yeah. You writing down. Right now, bullshit. Reports? Yeah, right now, bullshit. <laughs> Scri- scribbles. Car pulled it. Oh, it's no legible. It's just uh, like scribble, scrabble, scribble, scribble seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Dad, look, I, I caught a perp. He's like, yep. Yeah, sure you did. That's my favorite. Whenever I see have, like parents having to be like, Man, this soup is so good. It's like a bowl of grass and dirt. You're like, Man, Sophie does that. I am full. I Thank you for that. Yeah, I don't entertain. <laughs> I don't, I don't do that. This is dirt. I'm like, I'm not eating that. <laughs> Sorry. What is that? I'm not. It's just fucking mayonnaise, mustard, and fucking, I don't know, all types of shit. S- syrup. <laughs> I made a recipe. I'm, I'm not eating that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need to go back to the fucking drawing. You turn into fucking uh, Gordon Ramsay. This is fucking shit. I'm not it's fucking that. shit. Uh, but anyway, um, so like I said, she wanted to be a police officer from, from a young age. Frank was from a broken family, and her brother was a fugitive. Her father was in and out of her life, and Antoinette became distressed about these issues, which required psychiatric assistance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank, which, you know, I'll be referring to her a lot as Frank, but that's her last name, okay. Antoinette Frank. Frank has claimed that her father abused her sexually, mentally, and physically mm-hmm. ever since she was a child. According to author Chuck Hustmeyer, a former federal agent and author of a book about Frank called uh, Killer with a Badge, when Frank applied to become a police officer in Louisiana, she lied about her psychological problems, okay. which they do psyche vows for people who are you know, applying to become police officers. Yeah. But you know, apparently she's just lying was easy. One of my favorite scenes is from it's this movie, Observing Report, it's a Seth Rogen movie, and he's a mall cop, and he wants to be a real cop. And he is every time he goes to the police academy, he kills, he jumps over the ropes and whatever, does all the shit, and then they do the psych evaluation, and they're like, do you have any history of you know mental illness? He's like, oh yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit of bi- <laughs> He just every time he does terrible because he's just being honest. He's like, yeah. yeah, just a little bit of bipolar, no big deal. And then and then, but he's like, yeah, but I'm just ready to get out there and really fuck some people up. That's she's like, guy, man. Oh, yeah, he's hilarious. But this is like my, I love this scene so much because she because she goes, what made you want to be a police officer? He goes, every night I have this dream. And there's just this black cloud of smoke and everybody's terrified. And then I come out from the smoke and I just got my <laughs> fucking two guns. And I start fucking murdering people. And then she's like, all right. Well, thank you very much for your application. Uh, you, we'll be hearing from you. She'll bow, rejected. And I was like, this dude's a psychopath. <laughs> so instead of doing that, um, Antoinette, uh, Antoinette was like, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm No, not a history of anything. Yeah. I'm super fine. So despite this, the NOPD was chronically shorthanded and desperate to get more people on the force. Even with the shortage in the department, they did not hire anyone who did not live in New Orleans. She was hired on February 7th, 1993 and graduated from the police department uh, and graduated from the police academy on February 28th, 1993. So they caught some of the lies that she told on her application and they still were like, yeah, but we, you know, we're short staffed. We need some yeah. help. So go ahead and go ahead and push her through. You're desperate. You can start cutting corners and shit. That's everything about bureaucracy in this country. That's why whenever I, t- when I every time I bring it up every time, um, the child welfare system, policing, everything. It's like, okay, well, we really are kind of understaffed right now, so go ahead and fast track it. Let's cut some corners. Let's not worry about that really strict rule we have, that one rule that we put in place to protect people. Yeah. We're going to we're gonna waive that this time because yeah. we, need, we need people. I love when she does that. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Bella's making a bet out of her blanket right now. Get right, cuz. Get situated. She's got it. She's almost done, folks. And... Spent. Wow. Nice. So smart. 
Let's go. Give it up for Bella. <laughs> nice job, pup. Stole the show. <laughs> so uh, after she finished the police academy, and even though she was on, she was one of the top performers in her class. So much like the Seth Rogen and uh, Observing Report, she crushes all the stuff, shooting and doing all that stuff. It just was the psyche vow that she failed. But as far as passing police academy, she's one of the best people in her class. Despite this, she was not thought of as a strong officer, and many fellow officers would state that she knew little about policing. Antoinette Frank would be sent for a supervisor's review on a number of occasions. And I would probably suspect that this was some intersecting racism and sexism happening here. Like, she's a woman and a black woman. So they're like, that's like a double negative, especially as a police officer in the early 90s. Like, this woman doesn't know anything, especially not this fucking black woman. So she's not good at this job. I don't trust her to have my back and da-da-da-da-da. So go ahead and let's complain about her. It's fucked up, man. Yeah, it's tough, man. Think anybody ever did the academy and it was like, eh, I don't do this. I don't do this anymore. Hell fucking yeah. <laughs> All the time, probably. But I mean, they'd be like, oh, man, you're, you, you, you're, you're in. amazing. You're in. And you're like, ah, nah, I'm good. Nah, I don't like you guys' style. <laughs> I'm going to go be a fucking Dog the Bounty Hunter type of guy. Yeah. Maybe next time you should get a board that can handle the Neutron style. Then he like, walk, fucking walks out with sunglasses on. Later, losers. Fucking hops on a skateboard. I'm fucking going rogue. So Antoinette Frank met Rogers. Met His name is, let's get this right. Antoinette Frank met Rogers Lacaz. His name is Rogers. Rogers. That's his first name. Rogers Lacaz, a known drug dealer in 1994 while she was working a shooting incident that he was one of the suspects in. So she's a she's an officer. She's an officer. She's passed everything. She's now officially an officer on the street, and she's working a case. And she meets this name, this man named Rogers Lacaz. Rogers. She meets him because the case she's working, he's a suspect in the murder. Wow. The association between them became close and constant. Other police officers witnessed Lacaz driving her car, and even observed him moving her police unit at the scene of an accident she was investigating. So he was just always with her while she was on the job. Crazy. And then she'd be like, hey, baby, go ahead. And can you uh, move my car down the street? And he'd be like, I got you, boo. Pop. Hit her on the butt in her fucking, those baggy fucking police pants. And then he'd get in her car. So he'd, get in her, he'd get in her squad car, dressed Savage. in regular uniform cars, and fucking put his arm behind the seat and reverse it. Up. Window down and shit, music don't laugh. Boom, then boom, down, boom, boom, put down, and move it, hop out, lock it, yeah. throw her the keys back. I'm gonna go get a juice, babe. I'll be back yeah. going in the street. She's like, she's at work. Crazy. <laughs> so he's a suspect, he's driving the police car. Oh, that's cra- yeah, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but the shit get the shit gets crazier. So on one occasion, Lacaz accompanied her on a on a complaint call, and she introduced him as a trainee. And there were other times when Lacaz was introduced as her nephew. So he just she was like. She was just bringing him around on work, which is which is already concerning and, and makes me question what other things they got into because he's a known criminal and he has like a police, a, a person in uniform next to him to go like, hey. What is end game though? Is what I'm thinking about. It was later revealed that, <gasps> gasp, the two had a sexual relationship. And when asked why she would continue the relationship, knowing that Lacaz had been involved in dealing drugs and in a shooting, she claimed that she would not she would not disassociate him, herself from him just because of his past. You know, I know he's done some things in his past, but, you know, that's not a reason to give up on people, even if he's doing them in his present as well. Anyway, on March 4th, 1995, Frank, like I said, who was Antoinette, Frank and Lacaz visited Kim An, a Vietnamese restaurant in New Orleans. After midnight, as the employees cleared, as, as the employees cleaned and closed the restaurant, Zhao Vu 
sister of the two up and coming victims, who I'll get to in a second, went into the kitchen to count the money. She entered the dining room of the restaurant to pay officer Ronald A. Williams II for the night. So he was, he was uh, like security for, for the restaurant, mm-hmm. but he's a, he's a police officer, but you know, they pay him to be bouncer or whatever. So she was paying him out for the night. Um, when she, when, when she was doing this, she noticed that Antoinette Frank was approaching the restaurant. Frank and Lacaz had been in the restaurant twice earlier in the night to get food. Twice? Damn, she must be good. Or, or this. When Zhao had let her out on the last visit, she could not find the front door key. With Frank returning again for a third time, Zhao sensed something was very wrong. So she ran into the kitchen and hid the money in the microwave in the uh, kitchen. Frank entered through the front door using the key that she had taken from the restaurant earlier on her second visit or one of the two visits. And she walked quickly past officer Williams, pushing Zhao, another Zhao, uh, pushing Zhao, another of Zhao's brothers, Kuak and a restaurant employee into the doorway of the restaurant's kitchen. Williams started to follow asking, uh, asking uh, Frank what the hell was going on when shots rang out. As Frank turned back to the dining room of the restaurant Zhao grabbed Kuwak to hide. So the two, the brother and sister who worked mm-hmm. there, she grabbed him and they went and hid in, the, in a refrigerator. So she shot, she shot her oh, I'll get fellow pussy stuff. Oh. I'll get to it. Uh, so uh, the two, the, the employees, they ran and hid in a refrigerator. Um, Lacaz was behind Officer Williams and shot him in the back of the neck. Damn. Severing his spinal cord and instantly paralyzing him. Mm. The officer was shot again in the head. Oh. And in the middle of his back as he lay on the floor. So he, he was shot all in the back by Lacaz, by Roberts Lacaz, you know, because so Rogers, we'll, Rogers, by Rogers Lacaz. <laughs> so uh, Frank Antoinette, Officer Frank went in first, uh-huh. causes a scene by pushing the workers into the kitchen. The security officer, police officer was like, what the hell's going on? And while he's distracted by what's going on, he's looking at the kitchen yeah. and not the front door. Uh uh, Lacaz comes in through the front door, shoots him three times, mm. first in the back of his neck. So Zhao, Kuak, and the employee hid in the rear of a large walk-in cooler in the kitchen. They had no back door. I think they might have just panicked and went and, and hid. But or maybe also they I'll get because there's other there's other people there. Okay. So maybe they didn't want to just abandon everybody. But anyway, um, they turned out the lights in the kitchen as they as they entered into it. They did not know the whereabouts of Zhao or Kuak or the other sister and brother whose names are uh, Ha and Kuang. And, th- who, and they had been sleeping, they had been sweeping the dining room floors when Antoinette Frank had entered the restaurant. So just everybody, it's just closing time. And they come in and just everything goes fucking chaotic. From inside the cooler, Zhao and Kuak could partially see the kitchen and the front of the restaurant. Zhao initially could see Frank looking for something in the kitchen. As she moved out of Zhao's line of vision, additional gunshots were fired. Mm. So they're basically looking through a little window in the freezer, and they can see a little bit of what's happening, but people are coming in and out of what they can see. And then they hear gunshots ring off. Kuak next observed Frank searching where they usually kept the money. Kuak saw Frank walk to the part of the kitchen where the bodies of his brother and sister were later found. Mm. Frank and Lacaz were shouting and demanding the money. 
Unfortunately, Ha and Kuang did not know where Zhao had hit, had hit the money because she had hit it in the microwave just when she saw Frank come into the restaurant. She yeah. just threw it in the microwave, didn't tell anybody. So they don't even have the answer to give them. Mm. 21-year-old Ha was shot three times as she knelt, as she knelt pleading for her life, mm. and 17-year-old Kuang was shot six times and pistol-whipped. After Frank and Lacaz left the premises... Kuwak emerged from the cooler and ran out of the back door of the restaurant to a nearby resort. So there was oh, a back shit. door, but they just, like I said, they, they probably didn't want to leave their brother and sister. So uh, uh, the brother Kuwak did that. And then Zhao tried frantically to call 911 on her cell phone. But being inside the cooler, she could not receive a signal. Also, mm. it was a 1995 cell phone. So yeah. the signal probably wasn't great anyway, let alone being in like a, a freezer. So Frank dropped Lacaz off at a nearby apartment complex with them both knowing that there were witnesses left behind. Frank, this is, this shit is, this shit is crazy. Frank heard the 911 call on her portable police radio mm. saying that an officer was down at the Kim on restaurant. She returned to the scene, parked in the rear and entered through the back door of the restaurant. She made her way through the kitchen to the dining room where Zhao waited for help at the front door. As, as Zhao bolted through the restaurant's front door to safety of the arriving officers, Frank immediately identified herself as a police officer as wow. if this lady, as if, as if Zhao's crazy. Like, no, 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 I'm a cop. Yeah. She's like, yeah, the cop that did this, I know who you are. So uh, Zhao told Frank that she knew what she had done and cried to the officers that Frank had committed the crimes. Zhao and Frank were questioned in detail while seated at different tables in the restaurant. Frank was taken to the police station headquarters for additional questioning, where she later, later confessed to the crimes along with Lacaz. Frank and Lacaz were arrested and charged with first-degree murder. I can't That's believe great. she went back to That's be great. like, well, let me go and try to clear this up. I don't think she did, though. What do you, do you think I she think went she, there to kill her? I think she went there to, yeah, to kill him, but then the other officers, she saw the other mm, officers there and was like, oh, yeah. Good she point. She went there back. Yeah, she, she parked her car back? in the back yeah. to finish her off. Yeah. Wow, yeah. And then she ran, and then the other police happened. They were coming in at the yeah. same time. So and then she had to be like, oh, no, I, I'm a cop, too. She knew she was in deep shit at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why, probably why she confessed. Yeah. So the pair were indicted by New Orleans Parish Grand Jury on April 28, 1995. Their trials were served, and Lacaz was tried first on July 17th through the 21st in 1995. He was found guilty as charged and sentenced to death. Frank's trial began on September 5th, 1995. The evidence against her was so overwhelming that Frank's attorney did not even mount a defense. Damn. Despite, subpoena despite subpoenaing 40 witnesses, which they probably were character witnesses to be like, do you think that Antoinette Frank is nice? Which he didn't even use them, but like 40 witnesses is like, there weren't 40 people at the restaurant. So who, who were these witnesses? Yeah. They're just character witnesses. Her aunt and uncle and friends and shit like that. So it didn't even mount a defense. On September 12, 1995, the jury returned a guilty verdict on all counts and recommended the death penalty. She was formally sentenced to death on October 20, 1995, and sent to death row at the Louisiana Correctional Institute for Women in St. Gabriel, Louisiana, very near Baton Rouge. Now check this shit out, friend. In 1993, a year and a half before the Kim Ahn restaurant murder, murders, sorry, Antoinette Frank's father had stayed at her home for some time, and then she reported him missing. In November of 1995, a month after she received a death sentence, a 
a police dog led officers to find a human skull with a bullet hole buried under Frank's house. What? News reports dating back to 2002 state that a psychiatrist testified that Frank's father had repeatedly impregnated her via rape and had compelled her to have multiple abortions. So it is believed that the skull underneath of her house was her missing father, but she was never charged with that. And I wasn't able to find like more information on that, but a skull was found underneath her house and her father was reported missing by her a year before the murders that happened at the restaurant. On October 18, 2006, Frank's attorneys argued before the Louisiana Supreme court that her death sentence should be overturned because she was denied state funding experts to help prepare for the sentencing phase of the trial. On May 22nd, 2007, the Louisiana Supreme Court ruled 5-2 to two that the death penalty should be upheld. On April 22nd, 2008, State Judge Frank Marullo signed the death warrant for Antoinette Frank. According to the warrant, Frank was scheduled for execution by lethal injection on July 15th, 2008. In May, however, the Louisiana Supreme Court issued a 90-day stay of execution effective June 10th pending ongoing appeals. And she has not been executed since then. Antoinette Frank is currently still alive and in prison. Uh, she is, I believe, about 50 years old. And the Louisiana Correctional Institute Institution for Women was damaged by a, a, a flood in 2016. So its prisoners, including Frank, were moved to another prison. Hmm. And that's the, like, the most uh, recent update I have on this whole situation. But okay. she has not been executed. Um, Lacaz was resentenced to life imprisonment without parole on December 13th, 2019. There's a whole bunch of like appeals and stuff that they said was done wrong and jury, the jury was messed up. And so it led to him being resentenced to life instead of being on. So he's not on death row anymore. And so he's serving out his sentence at the Louisiana State Penitentiary, also known as Angola, which is one of the like toughest prisons in the country. I think maybe in the world, Where is that in Angola, in Louisiana. I think in the world, possibly. It's one of the toughest like prisons. Really? Mm-hmm. Angola. Damn. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, that was the story of Antoinette Frank and how she used her badge to, she was committing robberies with a boyfriend that she had. It's absolutely crazy. So I was going to ask, do you think that was he a bad influence on her, but... Um, so. yeah, I mean, I mean, story, I was like, Never mind it. yeah, I mean, they were very, very much more of a Bonnie and Clyde type of situation. Yeah. I don't think she was doing anything under duress. I think that they liked each other and liked the thrill and were having fun. And also, I don't think this was like the first time they robbed a place. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was the story of Antoinette Frank. Absolutely. Uh, crazy. That's a wild. story that, you know, something like a Bonnie and Bonnie and Clyde type of thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, let's uh, go ahead and get into these good vibes. Uh, friend, I don't know who goes first this week. You, me, okay. Oh, well, hey guys, hey, welcome to Good Vibes. Sorry, it's distracted. The All Star Game is on right now. We're just watching some highlights of that. Um, fun times. We love basketball here at Affirmative Murder. Do you? Can't get a response from them. Never mind. Doesn't matter, friend. Uh, anyway, friend, my good vibe story this week is about the whales. Okay, the precious, precious whales in Iceland. Um, so the whales off the coast of Iceland will be left alone by the end of next year after the nation's fisheries minister announced a cancellation of all new permits for commercial whaling, which they still are doing in 2022. Apparently, uh, I guess. Hey, man, I guess they eat. I think they eat whale blubber up there. So I'm not going to knock people for you know 
what they eat to survive. But come on, man, it's whales. They're beautiful. Uh, once the current permits expire, ending after the 2023 season, it will be the end of the practice. Even though hunting quotas are set around 400 fin and 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 minock and and minky whales, only one whale was hunted last year, as there is simply no economic demand for it. Well, that's good. Like people have like adjusted and gone like, hey, it's bad to kill whales, but you still can't get a license and kill whales if you wanted to. Okay. Like it, honestly, like based what on what you want to do though, what are you gonna do with it? I don't know. I think the blubbers was value. I think the blubber was used to make candles at some point in like the 1920s or something. I don't know. It's like an old, I feel like it's like a tradition, but based on what I'm reading right here, I guess technically if you wanted to be an evil villain, you could get, cause it said one whale was killed last year, but if you wanted to be an evil villain, you could get a whale hunting license and kill 400 whale or 399 whale. Cause that's the cap. So if you want to just be one evil dude and be like, I'm going to fucking go massacre whales. Didn't it happen like a year or two ago or something like that? Yeah, I think that was in Sweden. That was not, that was, I mean, not a year ago. It was like six, it was last year. Oh, but yeah, I remember yeah. that was like six when the water was all bloody. That yeah. was a really graphic thing. But again, somebody hit me up and was like, hey, listen, I know this looks bad, but they eat the whales. It's like, I guess so, but I still don't, I, I like whales. They're just so big. Like, what are you, what are you supposed to do with all that? Like, yeah, I don't crazy. know. I don't like seeing whales get killed, though. I saw whales in Mexico, man. They're beautiful and majestic. And also, they're stepdaddies too. Like whales, when they want to hook up with another whale, they'll take care of a whale's son that's not theirs. I respect that. I commend that. Uh, whaling in Iceland only became only came to be in 1948 as a result of tourists falsely believing that it was a centuries old. Tr- oh, so I, everything I thought was li- bullshit. That, that I said <laughs> this is a lie. People just thought like, oh yeah, it's uh, Iceland. You guys have been killing whales for hundreds of years. They're like, yes, we have. Yes, of course. And they just started doing it. Yeah, in 1948. So they falsely believed it was a traditional practice and that whale meat was a staple on the island when in reality it was only a sample dish for tourists in restaurants. And so they just went with it. They're like, I guess we're just the country that's known for eating whales now. So we just keep killing whales. That's crazy. Um, and that's really sad that that's what it is. It's not even really actually based in any tradition. They just so you can go and get some whales meat at a restaurant or something. Yeah, that's what they. But, but people, Americans mostly probably come there and they go, "We're in Iceland. Can I get a whale steak?" And they go, "I yeah, I guess that's what we do here. You're gonna buy it? Yeah, I'll pay in any amount of money you want to charge me for." Like, okay, one hundred flibbly gloops or whatever they spend over there in Iceland, and then they made a bunch of money off tourists because they thought like, oh, uh, this is like whale blubber gives you uh, more stamina in the bedroom or whatever the fucking goofy thing they had to, they believed in. So the International Fund for Animal Welfare or the IFAW conducted a study as part of their "Meet Us, Don't Eat Us" campaign, like that, uh, which found that Icelanders believed whales were north were worth more alive than dead. Which yes, I believe yeah. the same thing. A Gallup poll found that only 2% ate whales six or more times a year, and that 84% of Icelanders had flat out never even tried the meat, and they were the country known for eating whale. Yeah. 84% of your constituents have never even eaten whale before. So this is just a, just, just a tourist industry that's been living off of a lie for like 60 years. Uh, the meet us part of the moniker came from the new economic feasibility data, which found that whales would generate more tourism revenue from being seen, i.e. whale watching, which is lovely, than being eaten. And the campaign generated 175,000 signatures, the largest signature campaign in the nation's history. Uh, Transcend Media Service Service reports that hundreds of thousands of whale watchers visited the northern European nation in 2019 to observe both the minke whales, which is the world's smallest baleen. Oh, both the minke whales, the world's smallest baleen whales, and fin whales, the world's second largest whale. 
and that's everything. Um, I saw, I can't remember what type of whales I saw in Mexico, but they were beautiful. I think they were, uh, I don't even want to say. I can't remember. But it was just beautiful. It was a beautiful sight to see. And they, they come out, of, they breach the water sometimes, and they ride alongside the boat. It's just a beautiful sight. And I, Iceland has been on my list for some number of years. I've always wanted to take like six friends and go rent a really nice cabin with hot tubs and have like almost like a um, like a snow weekend that you would have in the Poconos or something like that. Can you but, ski? Um, they if you go if you go at the right time you can they yeah they have snow. Okay. I don't know if they have like ski ski resorts or yeah. if it's set up for that, but I would assume so. I mean, it snows snowboard. there. It's a, it's a very it's a country that if you don't like outdoor stuff, you shouldn't go. Everything I've read is like if you if you aren't down to go for like a hike or go see the scenery, yeah, then it's not really worth you going because that's kind of like what it has to offer is the picturesque scenery. Yeah. yeah. So I want to go and you know have a like a like a like a five day like a Thursday to a Tuesday and do like board games in a cool cabin and then in the daytime go walk around and see sights and all that type of shit go snowboarding boogie boarding yeah. whatever I'm thinking maybe like maybe 35 or something like that just like some grown adult yeah everybody you know a weekend we get our, our passports we go and just have a really nice cool art deco cabin I think it'd be really fun yeah so that's been on my list but anyway yeah that was my good vibes the whales are being saved in Iceland my good vibes is um Electrion announced oh. a partnership with the Michigan State, I'm sorry, with the Michigan Department of Transportation to establish a wireless charging demonstration project that will include a one mile stretch of road to recharge EVs while they drive. Oh, cool. So the, so the Michigan project is expected to be launched next year in Detroit as the site at the site of Ford Central Transportation Innovation District and will provide infrastructure infrastructure that can wirelessly charge evs while they are in motion or stationary do that many people have electronic vehicle electric vehicles i guess they're just trying to get ahead of it oh yeah true it's probably to raise awareness or you know to get people to buy them yeah um also the midwestern state will provide a 1.9 million in funding for the michigan project which is being carried out in collaboration with the ford automotive company DTE, a local energy company that will provide a connection to the to the electricity grid for the electric road, um, and Roche Clean Tech, which converts commercial vehicles to EVs and will provide an electric truck to the project. Oh, converts vehicles to electric vehicles. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I we can all we can see that you know that's the direction it's headed. More and more um, electronic vehicles is coming out. Yes. So, um, Am I about to get an electric vehicle, bro? I want to. I think I want to. I want that e-tron. I'm looking at that e-tron, bro. What's the e-tron? That's the, the Audi, Audi, Audi e-tron. Yeah. They have like the SUV e-tron. I was like, this is nice. I think I want to get an SUV. Electric, electric SUV, but still keep it old with the with the sports car. I respect that. A little best <laughs> of both worlds. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get that. Yeah. Because I mean, it's just more fun. Yeah, man. But dream that Porsche Taycan. That's that's electric and it's got the. Muscle and all that. If I could, have, if I had one one car one, and, one? and one million dollars, <laughs> that's how much it is. No, but I mean, it's that's close. how much you need to have to fucking be looking at a Taycan. I mean, you should you should have some money in the bank if you're even looking at sure. it seriously. But um, that's the one for yeah. me. It's but we dream. You know, it's just fun to dream. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, us recommendations. Um, I started watching Snowfall again. Again? Yeah. Did you quit? I stopped watching it, so I had to rewatch it again. Why? Just, um, just, 
no no time. Tell me tell me you got busy. Don't tell me it's some reason that you don't like the show. It's no, so I, like, I love the show. I okay. just I just wanted to watch out, it again. Fell out of it. Yeah, because the new season coming out, so mm-hmm. I just wanted to catch February twenty fourth. And I started watching ATL. I mean Atlanta again because yeah, the new season coming out. Coming out. Soon. Mm-hmm. So two great shows. Both, both of those. Um, I watched this documentary on YouTube about um, it's called like Rosedale something. Rosedale. I can't remember the other but it was about it was about this documentary that about these you know white people being hella racist to these to new black people moving into this neighborhood, neighborhood. okay and called the neighborhood was Rosedale yeah Rosedale and um the people that the interview was the the black people that was there and they was like yeah he's walking down the neighborhood or whatever and then they saw like a group of white people saying racist stuff and they was like they thought it was like a parade they thought it was like a um like a welcome to community, the community, like some type of community fair or something like that. And it was like, no, nah, they walking towards us. And then you see the videos of like all these kids being racist. Yeah. And then they, the people that I think it was New York Times, like I don't know if it was New York Times or it was somebody, but they was trying to get in contact with those people in the video. Oh, they were but famous. all the people was like, no, nah, that wasn't, we weren't, that wasn't we weren't me at all. I was like, Shh. they was lying like, Shh. yeah. But I thought, yeah. I thought that was pretty it's cool. funny. Yeah. It's funny, like, you know, uh, people like to act like, man. Racism was in uh, was five hundred years ago, guys. Like it's like no man, that was nineteen seventy six, and that person is probably like the boss of a bunch of black people now, and was calling people the, the n word to their face and spitting on them. You know, thirty years ago. Anyway, my my recommendations. Let's not go down that pathway, Fran. I there's some shows that I on here. Mm, that was a great dunk. Sorry, like I said, I like on. Um, there's some shows that I like to watch that I know I'm not going to come here because I I don't even want to waste. You get this look in your face when I start talking about shows that I know you're not going to watch, or you just, they just your eyes just kind of glaze over. Yeah. But you know, I said I decided. I decided recently. I said, you know what? But I'm depriving people because of the fact that I came on here and I recommended Murderville, which you liked. Yep. And I've been getting messages from people like I would have never clicked on that show if you didn't hype it up like you did. And thank you because it's a great show. So I said, yeah. you know what? I'm going to stop depriving people of my recommendations because of the look that comes across your eyes when I go. I've been watching this new British procedural, which is like, it's so great in the drama and yeah. the, the the dialogue. You just go, um, I guess that's what your eyes look like yeah. when I start talking about it. But I'm going to talk about shows that I like. I've been watching. I don't care anymore. I'm, this is to the people. Okay. HBO Max. For the last few weeks, I've been watching a show called Station Eleven. Mm-hmm. It is about, it's a very interesting take on like post-apocalyptic fall of society type of thing, right? So there's a flu, like coronavirus, that happens and it kills people instantly. Mm. And this and 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 basically it it shows the next twenty years of how society had to like adapt and change and mm. people kind of made these little communities and just the way that the fall of society looked, it was just a different take on it. And it is the most beautiful, it's the most beautiful show. Maybe not ever, but it, it's a very beautiful show. And it comes back around and then people see each other that they haven't seen in a long time and the emotions of that. It's just a beautiful show. Is it action packed and then explosions and all that shit? No, but it is a very beautiful show. You know what I can't, I can't seem to like wrap my head around is like how some people you've been. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Don't, you know, don't <laughs> sub me to my face. Say what you say with your chest. How me, what get so like, Oh, this show was so beautiful. I just, I don't get it. I just don't, I guess I just don't do like, like TV art? that much. Like, but do you like art? Do pictures make you feel anything? I love, does I art, love does, pictures. Does yeah, art, but, like art on the wall make yeah. you feel? It's the same thing. It's just a thousand pictures per second. Those are pictures. It's all I images. Know, I, just, I just, I don't know, man. You never seen something that made you cry? A movie or something? Yeah, the notebook. 
Oh, come on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, Station Eleven is 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 notebook ish. It's notebook ish. It's a beautiful TV show. It's a. It was a beautiful. I can't watch TV, TV shows show like that. I just. <laughs> well, Station Eleven to anybody who's into like post-apocalyptic like drama type of thing. Maybe almost like I can't. There's another show that was on HBO called like The Lost Ones or Forgot the Forgotten or whatever. It's definitely less dramatic than that, but it's so beautiful. I love the show. Everybody's performance was great. Loved it. Anyway, Peacemaker, Fran, you got you got to get HBO Max again. Mm-hmm. You're gonna love this show. What is it about? It's John Cena. It's a it's a it's a comic book show. It's That's John it. Cena. He's peacemaker. It's violent. It's funny. It's so funny. He's so funny in it. Everybody's so funny in it. the 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 show is hilarious. It's super violent. Um, now Marvel has kind of the racket on their whole universe. Mm-hmm. Like you watch this show, and then it ties into this movie. And th- wait, who's in it again? John Cena, the wrestler. Okay, and also the actor. He's Peacemaker. He's the that's the super the superhero that he's playing. But anyway, is he with somebody else? No, like he's not a super. He's a superhero like Daredevil's a superhero. Like he doesn't he can't fly or anything like that. He's just like as a dude. Can you see him? Like the Punisher. Yeah, he's not <laughs> playing John Cena in the show. If he was playing John Cena, then no, that's his power. You can't see him. But it's like walk around with jean shorts. Yes, yeah, see floating jean shorts <laughs> and a helmet. And there's just nothing there. That would be an interesting show too. But Peacemaker is so fucking good, man. Okay, what I was saying was Marvel has a. They're never DC's never going to catch up to Marvel. They just said like they're like fifteen years in the future. Like you watch this show and then it's going to tie back into this movie five years from now. But this show on DC, what they're doing really good is like we're going to make R-rated graphic TV shows, and I think they should just do that. Don't try to make it like we're going to tie it into this and then it's going to tie into the movie and we're going to try to do a Marvel Cinematic Universe thing. No, just make they really yeah. yes, just make really good R-rated because it's it's the opposite of anything Marvel. It's the opposite of Loki. It's the opposite of. Uh, WandaVision, it's violent, people get blown up, people's arms get ripped off, mm. it's gruesome and bloody, and they say fuck, and there's sex, and it's it's just a great show, but it's an R-rated show, and it's so fucking good. Highly recommend people. It's like that one show- uh, It's like The Boys. Yeah. That's it's like, like The this, Boys. This, this I knew coming. you were going to go there. Yeah. It's like The Boys. Yes. It's like The Boys. Yeah. So if you like The Boys- That's my shit. Peace, you, you're, you're going to love Peacemaker then. I guarantee- I know you- and that's why I was saying Station even though I love Station Eleven yeah. on like this show, I know I know to talk to you like I know you're never gonna watch that. I'm telling you, Peacemaker, you're gonna love it. So you should watch that. Definitely gonna check it out. And also, um, I watched Genius, the the first installment of the Kanye West documentary. Okay. And it needs to be said that what Kanye West is doing right now is completely toxic and dangerous and 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 I don't approve of anything that he's doing. He's harassing his ex wife and he has this notion that like I'm gonna get my family back, but like she doesn't wanna be with you, so that's not how that works. Yeah. But I think he's like, but marriage is God and the Bible and she's over it, man. You got to stop threatening her boyfriend now and you're going to get him hurt and you have a lot of power and you're, you need to be on something. Yeah. You're on, you're not on your medication. It's clear. I understand he's, he's a different guy, but this is erratic and his publicity team stepped in and made a post and deleted all the other stuff that he said and was like, Hey man, my bad, but it clearly wasn't him. But genius is about, the journey of Kanye West becoming Kanye West. Mm. And the first episode was amazing. He went into an office and played All Falls Down because he was trying to get signed because Rockefeller Records was not going to sign him. And he was he was playing All Falls Down for like the fucking, the executives that worked there. Mm-hmm. And they were like, 
answering the phone like hey girl yeah i don't know kanye's in here playing some fucking stupid song and it's all falls down and when you like in the context of 2022 and you know all falls down and fucking how great that song is yeah to hear people being like and they're like yeah great um anyway rockefeller records like they and he's like oh guess nobody wants to hear my song but he believed in it so much like no matter what he had the most confidence in himself he believed in his art and it's it's just inspiring the first episode and it's like they're dropping an episode every week i don't know how many i think it's four parts but this first part's like two hours long so i think every part's gonna be like two hours long like a little documentary so it's about him yeah, it's about him, but it's like, oh, this dude filmed him from like 2001 mm-hmm. for I don't know how long. Every day. He was like with him. He was like his, he's filming, a, he made a documentary about him for like 20 years. So he has footage from like before he got signed, his first shows, when he got his Rockefeller chain put on him at, at that one show, like every, the car accident. It's going to go through, his mom's in it, the first episode. It was like, man, it was like, man, his mom, it really showed you she kept them level. Yeah. And- you know, she was the person that was like, yeah, be arrogant and be cocky, believe in yourself, but like also have some humble and some humility to you as well. Yeah. And her not being there is kind of when you see it in the context, especially when you when you know what's happening now with him and all the shit he's doing on Instagram. And then you see the documentary, you go, damn, that's who he needs. Yeah. Is that that woman is who he needs right now. But it's like a, it's just beautiful. So I highly recommend Genius. I understand like Kanye West is being toxic and all that type of shit. But like he is a he is an a staple figure in music. I know people like to, you shouldn't say that about yourself. And that's kind of why people don't like Kanye West where yeah. he's like, I'm the most important artist ever. And it's like, I don't it's know. Like if, walk around. Yeah. It's yeah, not, I don't, like that. I don't know if it's that. I don't know if he's the most important artist ever, but like, you can't talk about hip hop music at least, but p- p- probably a lot of, a lot of genre. Ever. Huh? He's like, I'm the greatest ever. Yes. And that's like, Hey man, kudos to you. But even if he's not the greatest ever, you can't talk about hip hop music and not mention Kanye West. Yeah. And that's just, that's a big genre. That's the biggest genre in the world. And I don't know if you can mention music in general without mentioning Kanye West in some circles. So even though he says it and he's very grandiose and an egomaniac, it is, he is, a, he is important. So the documentary is like, it's really cool to see. So I just, those are my three. Uh, Station 11, Peacemaker, Genius. It's spelled really weird, so don't spell genius. You know, he's some fucking eclectic fucking dude. It's spelled J-E-E-N. J. <laughs> <laughs> it's spelled J-E-E-N hyphen y-u-h-s so it doesn't even have yay in there or kanye or con genius yeah i don't know why it's spelled like that but if you're looking for it and you're just spelling regular genius baby geniuses is going to come up or something it's not spelled like that genius but i i I recommend it i really do i understand i'm not i don't approve of anything kanye was doing yeah but it's it's a it's a it's a great piece of content anyway yeah that's it that's all i got man uh hey thursday or friday virtual house party we'll figure it out I'll put the information out there. You this guys- Thursday? This this Thursday? Or next Thursday? Well, next Thursday would be March. Right. So it has to yep. be this Thursday. Right. So yeah, we'll figure it out. I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park 